Welcome to the Back to Back Podcast. It's Thursday, and that means it's me, your host, Dave DeFore, and my co-pilot, Coach David Thorpe, and this is Nerder She Wrote. Coach, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. What'd you do New Year's Eve? Uh, you know what? I was actually in Florida. Uh, I went, uh, one of our good friends um, that uh, worked with my wife in Germany has just relocated back to the States, and he's living in Destin, so we went there for for new year's and hung out uh it was a good time it was a pretty that's, good time I, that's barely florida just here I, I know it's florabama right and yeah. is that what it was uh you know it was really foggy and kind of gross so uh, we were we were a little bit bummed out we thought we might get some sunshine but uh we did take the dog to the beach and that was interesting beautiful and beaches yeah yeah absolutely uh what about you what'd you do we know we used to have a monstrous party and then uh, as our kids got older, we had like 75 people one year. It was just too much. So we just had some neighbors come over. And I, I actually drank a good amount, which I don't typically do that anymore. But it was New Year's. So we had I, I had some gin. I had some old fashions. I had uh, uh, more gin and then champagne and a little bourbon. I had, no, we, we actually drank <laughs> okay. some uh, good rye for other old fashions. It was good. I also I also had a, a fair amount to drink. Uh, my 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 buddy Zach, who we went to visit, uh, we used to go to Spain together a lot, and um, they've got these really beautiful uh, like glass uh, decanters that they all use yeah. down there. Oh, nice! In the in the south, and they've got like a pour spout, and the thing to do it at a party is you pass this around, and you try to see who can get the spout farthest away from their mouth while they're pouring wine into it. And so, you know, as you do, as the night progresses, you have these fantastic ideas like, oh, let's try this with champagne. It's funny. And needless to say, bubbly stuff is not great for that kind of activity. But I yeah. gave it I gave it the, the old college try, literally. Yeah. Um, I posted a video on on my Instagram and I, I got a lot of uh, interesting, that. interesting DMs from people that were like that. That looks like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and, you know, but it was fun. It was it was a really good time. I don't like um, wasting any of the sweet nectar of alcohol. It's good. I don't want to spill anything, <laughs> but it sounds fun. That was a, it's a good night. My um, my son stayed home because he had to get up first thing in the morning to work out before he went to an amusement park for the day. Um, we had some other neighbors stop in and, and, uh, whatever it was, you know, I think, I think my wife and I hung out drinking and talking with some friends till two in the morning, which is really late for her. For me, right. that's just a late West coast game. Plus maybe a phone call and it's right. two in here, you know, you have a late TNT game and I get to bed at two, but she doesn't normally stay up that late. So we my wife and I've had, I want to say 32 New Year's Eve now together. Wow. So we've been, yeah, we've done this a long time. Always just she and I. Uh, anyway, so, but I did catch a little basketball yesterday. Nice. I kind of took a week off. I still watched some games, but I didn't really dive in. Um, and we were just talking, you and I, before we started taping this about Lonzo Ball's free throw. So if you want to get going on that, we can start that first. Yeah, uh, Lonzo is, I mean, he's not been a good free throw shooter in his entire career. I mean, he, he's, it, of course, this is year two. Um but guys, but don't, he was bad in college. He wasn't great in college either. He wasn't. He wasn't great in high school. Yeah. And so, you know, there there are clearly some form issues with this shot. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that's killing him is confidence. Uh, this season, he's taking one point one attempts per game. And that's actually going to damage the rest of the team because it means he's not being aggressive going to the basket. 
it means he's not being aggressive in transition. Although in the game against the thunder last night, uh, we're, we're again recording this on Thursday. Um, he did have a really nice aggressive transition, uh, you know, layup and it was an and one, but he missed the free throw. Um, but drew the foul, made contact, made the shot. I also think that the fact that he's not great finishing at the basket is an, is another part of this. Um, he's actually limiting their offensive potential, especially with LeBron out. It's, it's sort of, uh, his importance on the court is higher than what he can actually meet. He can't get to the point that they need him to get with LeBron off the court. Um, so you looked at his free throw a little bit. What are you thinking? Well, form alone can't explain everything from 15 feet. It can sometimes from, uh, well, most of the time from farther out. Just more can go wrong with another eight, nine feet, you know, that's traveling in the air. Uh, I mentioned that uh, I don't know what Kevin Martin shot from the line. And everyone knows that, you know, I spent my whole his whole career. He worked with me starting his freshman year of college. And um, I want to say he was 86, 87 percent for his career with weird form. He just threw it in. And um, uh, his misses tended to be all around the rim, too. And that's what I noticed with. Watching, I've coached a lot of great free throw shooters, not not because I taught them, guys that just played for me that were great free throw shooters, when I, not just pros, but high school kids too. Um, the, the best free throw shooters tend to be right around the rim all the time. And so I play a game where, I, for years I've done this, uh, I think people used to call it the Larry Bird game where, um, uh, and, then, and then there's another one, actually I started doing more uh, where you play golf. So you get a birdie, if you swish it, a par, which is zero, if you make it, but it hits the rim, and then a bogey plus one, if it goes out, if it doesn't make it at all. You can even add a double bogey plus two if you hit the backboard first for like a really bad free throw shooter. And um, I've had a lot of 80 plus percent free throw shooters who didn't win a lot of those games, but they never lost because they just hit the rim a lot and their shot was soft, a great rotation, Kevin was famous for never winning that ever as one of the best, you know, he might be top 30, top 40 all time career free throw percentage. I don't know how, what the number is, but 86, 87 is a high number. Uh, that's the first thing I look at with Lonzo is he's all over the place. Dreadfully short. If you think of, if you think of the rim uh, and imagine, imagine Dave taking the rim and, and using a Sharpie and drawing a line around the rim right in the middle you you have to get not only above that line in the middle, but you've got to hit the inside of the rim to have a, a real chance typically. But he's got misses that are bouncing below the midline of the rim. Like those are 100% misses, literally. They will never once go in. So if I was working with him, which I never will uh, for lots of reasons, uh, uh, the first thing I would say is we at least have to start getting above the black line every time. And, and I think you're dead right when it comes to confidence. He's so uncomfortable there. And he, he's, I would really have a talk to them about, like, hey, man, you, you are a terrible fucking free throw shooter. Just deal with it. You're terrible. There's nowhere to go but up. And here's how we're going to get up. Here's how we're going to get better. And here's some games we can play. And uh, for him, for example, I would do a game where Every time you hit below the, the middle of the rim, you're minus five, right? You, you just can't do that. You've got to give yourself a chance. And then also see 
watch them falling forwards. That's a sign, too, of that imbalance is an issue. Um, but I think, generally speaking, your macro point is, is super important. It's very limiting to him, and that's t- tremendously impactful probably to the team. Yeah, it's a shame because he's such a talented love- he's such a talented player on the defensive end. Yep. He's got an incredible feel for the game on the offensive end. Like he goes to the right spots. He he throws these great passes. I mean, sometimes he throws some that are a little ambitious, uh, but that's okay. I'd rather a guy yeah. see the play and and make a crazy pass than not see the play at all, right? Like especially for a guy in a second season. And there's so much to like about how he plays. But the the I mean, 45 percent from the free throw line. I mean, that's the killer. It's Shaq. Yeah. Yeah. It's Shaq without all the dunks. Right. It's Shaq. It's Shaq without all the other stuff. Um, and it's just a shame. And, and you know, the the Lakers are are scuffling a little bit without LeBron, as as you know, we should have all expected. Yeah. Um, but they've got to hold on. I mean, this groin injury might linger for LeBron. I mean, they they traditionally groin injuries take a while. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and if he actually felt a pop, this could be worse than than we're thinking. I, I'm guessing he's going to miss at least another week. Could miss two. Could miss four. I, I've yeah. had players miss miss more because they came back too early. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I was going to say from anecdotally, I had a, a groin injury my senior year of high school, and it didn't feel right for nine months. Yeah. And no. I was eighteen. You know. Um. So wow. and that stuff takes forever, and, and in particular, you use it in every single part of of basketball. So if it's not a hundred percent, you're gonna, you know, you run the risk of re injury. Um. They're four and six in their last ten. They're they're currently sitting at the eighth seed, and uh, five thirty eight has them. Uh, I'm gonna pull this up. It has them making the playoffs uh, for and and with a sixty one percent chance, um, but they need LeBron to get back. Clearly, um, the young guys just aren't quite ready. They're they're great. I think they're gonna be really good role players. These these guys. I don't think any of them top out as a star, and we're actually I think we're seeing that. Right now, the the limitations of all these guys, in particular without LeBron, uh, you can really see that they're missing that that kind of piece. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're young guys. Um, I was looking today uh, when he was 22, the current and maybe future MVP uh, averaged 16 plus points a game, shot really well from three, was, you know, their third best offensive player at Oklahoma City uh, in, in terms of Harden. You know, people were not saying he's going to be this guy, right? I would yeah. have guessed that if you pulled 30 GMs, none of them would have said he's going to lead the league in scoring one day and be MVP or whatever. Uh, that's why he left to begin with, by the way. He thought he'd do it, and he worked hard for it and all of that. These guys are young guys in L.A., and um, I think you're right. They're going to be role players. That doesn't mean they can't be better than that down the road. I think they probably some of them will be. But Lonzo having this huge issue. I mean, he's made 18 free throws all season. Like, what did Harden make the other night against uh, the Grizzlies? I know he took 27 yeah. in a game. Yes, uh, Lonzo's only shot 40. Again, yeah. uh, avoiding contact. This is what I bring up a lot with the Celtics and their offense. You know, Kyrie, Kyrie avoids contact at the basket, so he doesn't go to the free throw line as much as you really want him to. And, and so that is has a negative effect on your offense. Like you need those freebies and they're currently the worst free throw shooting team in the league. And last night, Luke Walton said one of the craziest things I've, I've ever heard 
which was they're going to start tracking free throws in practice and making guys sign a sheet. I'm sorry, man. It's it's now 2019. How have you not been tracking this stuff in practice? <laughs> Just film it. Yeah. Just I, film I, it. Well, have an intern. Mark it up. There are balls that will track it for you. There, there are apps that you can use yeah. on your cell phone. Uh, apparently, the Lakers don't have a shooting coach. There's no excuse for this as an organization, and you know, unfortunately, these players are going to take a lot of a lot of heat for this. But this is a development thing. This is on this is on the organization. I mean, if you can't shoot free throws, I, I firmly, I really believe it's because the team is not doing enough to get these guys able to shoot free throws. Like they're, they're just not the coaching is is failing. Right. Two the, two things I'll say for that. First of all, we're just going back with the to Lonzo. It's not, and I know you're not saying this, but it's not just that he's avoiding contact, okay? Just flip it. He's not trying to get fouled. Right. There's a big difference, right? Think of the think of the guys who find ways to get fouled so they can get to the free throw line, right? They they initiate the contact. They don't just avoid getting hit. They initiate it. And we've, we've all talked about the flopping and all of that on the offensive end. Uh, the very when I first got my first coaching job in '87, the first book I read was uh, was Dean Smith's first book, um, and uh, he, I think, I literally think on page one, if I remember correctly, it's on page one where he says basically the best play they can make is get to the free throw line in terms of uh, points per possession because they was tracking it even this was written in the you know early '80s or whatever it was. Um, I started coaching '87. The book had been out a little bit. I still have it. It's in hardback. So I may have got one of the original ones, but he wrote a mid eighties or whatever. And he wanted to get fouled. That was their number one thing they could do in North Carolina, get fouled. Uh, and, uh, so you're looking for that. You're looking to get the bump. You're going fast and getting a guy behind you and stopping short to get run over. So he's not doing any of those things, right? That is, it's hard. It's hard to be an efficient offensive machine when your point guard is, is not doing that. And, doesn't want to get fouled, period. And when he does get fouled, he's making less than half. So that's that's a problem. Well, here's the other thing about free throws. I mean, they help your team. Yes, it's free points. Yes, you're catching your breath. Also, it helps your defense. Right. When you make free throws, you get a set defense against whatever the other team wants to bring. And the Lakers in the last – we're going to be talking a lot about the last month, really until like December 10th or so, because there have been quite a few – trends that have changed. And so I've been looking at stats from back then. So I'm going to mention that date a lot, but, uh, if you look back to December 10th, uh, they are like the 24th best defense in the, or 24 best offense in the league because they're not able to hit free throws. Their defense is still hanging in there at, at eighth, but they're not able to capitalize on the good defense because they can't score. They can't score because they can't make free throws. So, you know, they're, it, it's frustrating to watch because I think this team, they're fun. They just need to be able to win. And, and so like I want to make I want to see them make the playoffs. I mean, of course, when LeBron comes back, he's the the ultimate rising tide and everybody will be fine. But uh, I, I really like the a lot of these young guys. And I really love Lonzo. I want to see him play in crunch time. I don't want to see him on the bench like he was last night. And I'm still surprised that teams aren't going to hack Alonzo. As as ugly as that is, it's a smart strategy. And the Lakers obviously know it could be an issue because they pulled him. You know, in crunch time last night, uh, I don't know. It just thinks all the way around. Uh, Dave, it's time to do our live read for the athletic. 
which you are a subscriber, as am I. I actually, I, I heard you gave it to some people over the holidays. Is that true? I did. Gave it to my father-in-law. And, uh, you know, my wife actually has her own subscription because she likes to follow different people than I do. What, what, what's, what's her sport? So she actually likes uh, basketball, but she doesn't read the same guys I do. She doesn't care as much about Danny LaRue's cap minutia as right. I do. And actually, Danny wrote a great article this week about uh, how the Clippers can get Kawhi and Kevin Durant, which, uh, you know, I'm dubious of. But, uh, you know, Danny's, Danny might be smarter on this stuff than I am. Uh, the Athletic is, as we said, a subscription-based publisher of Smarter Sports coverage for diehard fans like uh, the people listening to your show, Nerd or She Wrote. Uh, it's simple, no ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. If you sign up today, you can read the final Strauss versus the House, which is, uh, to me, was the best gambling column on the internet, even if uh, Ethan wasn't actually making the bets. And our very own Zach Harper with his weekly power rankings, which are uh, a must read in my house. Uh, you can go to theathletic.com slash back to back and you can maybe give it to someone as a birthday present or a uh, New Year's resolution for someone who uh, wants to read more sports content that's smart. Yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving, Dave. You can give it year round. And if you go to theathletic.com forward slash back to back with the number two, you get 40% 40 off now. And don't forget, there are never any ads, never any pop-ups, and never any autoplay videos, which are the scourge of the internet. And also, you'll get 650 to 700 publications a week. I mean, this place doesn't sleep uh, from people like Frank Isola, Sham Sharania, as we mentioned, Zach Harper, our very own, and Mr. Sam Amick, 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 uh, Marcus Thompson. I mean, the list goes on, as they say. They literally, they're stacked. And in particular for some of the large markets, I mean, I don't know how you can follow the Warriors without having a subscription to The Athletic. David Aldridge, your buddy. My good buddy. And uh, was on the last podcast. So if you haven't heard that, go listen to that. But uh, theathletic.com slash back to back for 40% off on The Athletic subscription. And now back to the show. of free throws i want to talk about james harden and the houston rockets because i thought they were toast and they have turned it around in a way that i didn't anticipate um their defense has not been solved but they're winning games and it's solely because of james harden in his in their last 11 games they're 10 and 1 james harden is averaging 39.7 points a game oh by the way 33 points on the season uh so he's leading the league in scoring uh, six and a half rebounds, eight and a half assists, over two steals a game. In this stretch, he's also shooting 14 free throws a game. This guy is on a run that I can't, I mean, Kobe in 06 maybe was like That's the closest true. to this. People are comparing to that, yeah. Uh, so I, I, on the Rockets, uh, I think that Capella also started the season fat and out of shape, happy that he got his big deal. That was really, I mean, he got, he didn't get drafted thinking this would ever happen. Um, 
and uh, Harden was fat and out of shape. And just a few years ago, this same thing happened with Harden. He they beat the Clippers down three one, came back, beat them in Game Seven on the road. I think it was. I think it was on the road. Uh, maybe not. Maybe they won Game Seven at home. Um, and uh, lost Western Conference Finals. Harden did his big shoe deal in the offseason, fat and happy. Started the season fucking terrible. Terrible. They were terrible. Yeah. And in my opinion, Durham Morty made a mistake firing Kevin McHale because uh, that's what Harden wanted, in my opinion. He, they would never say that. But also because the team was struggling. And they retained a guy that's now killing a different team, J.B. Bickerstaff. And they sucked the whole year, even though Harden recovered and played great. Yeah. The difference now himself- is they didn't fire D'Antoni. He has not fucked them up. Harden now is back to where he was. Capella's back where he needs to be. And and they're good again. I I, I think there was their flaw compared to last year. I saw last year I thought they could beat the Warriors. This year I haven't seen that yet. But um I give credit to Daryl Moore learned his lesson and the owner learned his lesson. Keep keep your coach in place. And just let your guys get back in shape. Yeah, and Harden admitted that that he was out of shape to start the year, um, and I think he had he had like an ankle thing or something like that. There was some sort of reasoning behind it, but he did admit it. And, and Harden actually cost himself an MVP that season because it was really close. I mean, that was the year Russ won it with the yep. triple doubles. Yeah, and you know you had a lot of people saying it should have been Harden. I actually felt like it should have been Kawhi. I thought um, it should have been Harden, but people I remember talking people talking Kawhi. I thought Harden. Over the course of the, the whole season was was the best player in the league, but but yeah. I get the argument on all three sides. Well, I, you're right, exactly. It was one of those years where I was like, you know, you, it's hard to it's hard to I argue. Would, against I him. did not think Westbrook, Kawhi would have been my second choice over Westbrook. Yeah, Harden first, Kawhi second. Uh, the triple double is a made up number, or whatever. Just <laughs> on a bad team, it, it made no sense to me. But whatever, I don't have any votes. So yeah, so the Rockets, um, they they've been the second best defense over the or second best offense over this this span in their last eleven games, uh, back to the elite numbers that they were at last year. So that's great, but they're going to need another guy to defend. They missing out on Ariza, and by the way, they could still get him from Washington. Um, I think Ariza was was a guy that they really wanted to get. Um, they did get Austin Rivers, and uh, and he came in and helped him immediately, which is. But you know, do you think do you think the Wizards are going to break down and 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 just sell their parts? Well, I mean, I I think that remains to be seen. You know, I I do think that if you look at Memphis, and you know, we'll get to them in a second because I know you've you've got an opinion on bigger staff. Um, if you look at what Memphis did, where they had you know their their star players were hurt, so they leaned into the tank. They got a guy that I think is going to wind up being a generational talent in yep. Jaron Jackson. Jaren Jackson. Yep. And then they were ready to compete this year. Now they, they made a mistake maybe with the coaching choice, but uh, I, I do think that overall that was a good strategy. And, and so if you look at what Washington's got going on, to me it makes sense to, you know, maybe we can get an asset for Trevor Reza. You know, do we really want to make it as a six or seven seed in the East just to get bounced in the first round? Is that worth anything for a team that really could use more talent, in particular young talent in the draft. I mean, it, this they've, they've traded away draft pick after draft pick after draft pick, and they have nothing to show for this. You know, they lost Boyan Bogdanovich. They lost Paul Pierce, you know, all these guys that they traded these draft picks for. And, and now they're in this position where they've got to pay John wall starting this summer. That extension kicks in. He's going to be very hard to move, especially coming off of yet another surgery. Bradley Beal, uh, you know, he's going to be getting paid here soon. 
And that's a guy that you have to keep. You know, he's the whole the whole reason that you would ever tank is to get a guy like Bradley Beal. And he's in his, you know, in his prime. Um, Otto Porter's a good player, but he might be a little overpaid, but we're getting a, another cap bump, so it doesn't really matter. And I think that if they could get a top five pick, that could be it, that could be a game changer for them. A top five pick, yeah. But yeah. It, it's it's gonna be hard to do. You're yeah. gonna have to sell off, you know, guys like Ariza or, you know. Jan Mahinmi, if you can get someone to take him, something like that. I, I just think, um, you know, they're in a tricky spot because I know that they want to compete. They don't want to. They don't want to tank again. So a we'll lot of these teams, a lot of these teams don't want to. A lot of these teams, and I get it. The, the middle of the road. I, I've always argued differently than most that I'm okay with being in the middle, as long as I've, I've got some kind of elasticity to what I can do. If you're in the middle with nothing but old guys and and bad picks, it's different. Uh, but if you've got young guys that can develop, uh, you you yeah you got to do some other things. But whatever, they're the Wizards aren't even in the middle right now. No, you got to have a good GM too, though. Let's like let's not overlook that. You got to have a GM that has a vision, that has a plan. I mean, this is how the Rockets were able to pull it off. They rebuilt from the middle. Uh, the the Clippers. I mean, you know, Lawrence Frank's done a really good job. I mean, I guess Jerry West has had some influence there as well. Um, plenty of teams have done it. It's just. I think it's it's just easier if you can get that high end talent that you get with the top five pick. It's it's harder to find guys, you know, in the later later lottery and on the margins, which you know that's that's championship level stuff. You know, getting well, a guy like I'm going to add something else though. Yes, yeah, but I don't think people are talking about this very much. But let let's talk about maybe the three the three best players in the game right now uh, under the age of uh, let's pick a number maybe 26. Okay. Who, who would you say they are? They, they, they probably jump out at you. Giannis, Anthony Davis, and Joel Embiid. Okay. Where do you rank Kawhi? Kawhi's right there in that group. I, th- so ranking one, like one to yeah. five or whatever is tough for me. Okay. I like a That's tier. Fine. I think they're all top tier. Fine. All right. So let's, let's two of those guys. I think weren't even lottery picks. Uh, uh, Kawhi, Kawhi was, Kawhi was, was a lottery pick. Giannis was like 13, so okay. just on the outside of the lottery. All right, right? So or not at top the 10, end. not top 12. Yeah, Kawhi was 15. Right. Where do you rank Jokic in the group? See, and again, Jokic is right there. Right. I think he's just on the what next was he tier. Picked? He was second round. Boom. Yeah, so, but it's hard to do. That's why I'm saying, I agree, but that's why I'm saying, I mean, if you can get Zion, good luck. That's great. Right? If you if you can if you're if you're competitive and you're a middle of the road team, you still can have a chance at, at stabbing one of these guys. It's it's a global game like never before. The whole world's out there. Only you know there's only ten guys going top ten, and there's lots of reasons why stupid teams draft stupidly, <laughs> uh, and then it goes to player development and culture and all of that too. Uh, you, you know the Wizards don't have to like. I think your point is 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 there. They don't have to so-called tank because to do that, they'd have to get rid of Beal also. They don't want to do that. Right. Right. Unless unless you really do decide, screw it. You know, we're just going to really start over. If they had fired management, brought in someone brand new, I, I don't know what they would do. Maybe, maybe they would do that. Um, but until they change it, I say the same about Minnesota, Memphis, yeah. um, Washington, poorly run teams typically have poor owners and they typically have a less than – a lesser product than what they should have. Right. Ownership is, is such a competitive advantage. Like if you've got a good owner, 
you I know, just, I mean, you look at like, so the Nuggets have a great scouting department. Uh, I think that the Bucks actually, you know, when, when John Hammond found Giannis, I mean, it was incredible. And I, there's some luck involved. I don't think anybody knew when Giannis came in that he had this sort of potential, you know, maybe all time great sort of potential. Uh, same, same with Kawhi Leonard. I mean, but the Spurs are well known for drafting pretty well. Um, it, it's, it's not exactly, it's not easy to do. And in particular, if you ha- are in an environment where, uh, you've kind of got an old school mindset, I mean, I don't, I don't want to knock, I don't want to sit and harp on the missing on Luka Doncic stuff, because I think that that's, we, we've got gotten to saturation point on that. But the truth is, you know, like if you're Sacramento, and I, I'm not. I won't knock Phoenix because I think Aiton has that kind of upside. If if he figures it out defensively, which it'll be a few years, but if he does, I mean that's He's that's an incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible player. Um, but I think that would you if you're the Kings, do you take Doncic or uh, Jackson? So I don't know. It's tricky. I, I actually don't even think Bagley's a bad player. I just think I Bagley's closer to his ceiling than, than a guy like Doncic or a guy like Jaron Jackson. And I think that for a young team, it matters to get more guys who, who have that superstar sort of top end. Um, I don't know. I, I think for them, because you've got De'Aaron Fox and you've got Buddy Heald, maybe it makes more sense to have a guy like Jackson. Yeah. And, and, but, but you, listen, you, you can't go wrong with either one. I, no. I would have, I would, I think Jackson has a higher two side upside offense, defense, um, Dockich is, uh, you know, he's Mozart. He's just right. that talented. So he's so special. Although I will say, I didn't write about this on Twitter or anything, but, uh, when he made that move that Paul George slipped on and like, yeah. that wasn't a great move. He slipped. No. It's a wet spot. Yeah. What are we doing? It's a wet spot. Well, are we, so- are we at point, point now where it, anytime someone falls down, it's cause the other guy is some kind of magician. No, right. Guys fall down. Yeah. Especially on a wet spot. Right. I called, I called Luka Doncic the hipster baby Jesus. Um, because like, listen, the the guy's good. He's really good. He's 19 and it's great. And I, but we, every year we do this with some rookie last year, it was Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, the year before that, I can't remember, but we do this every year where it's like, Oh my God, this guy is just incredible. He's really blowing our mind because we kind of you know, we started thinking, okay, he's 19. Who's done this at 19 and and he's having a great season. So I don't want to knock it, but we've gone a little bit overboard and you know, it, it's the, the, the media cycle doesn't really help. Um, I, I'd but say I, a, just one more thing on that, on Don yeah. uh, many years ago. So this is, I think he got drafted no four. Um, my brother, Mike and I, who's a, a pretty renowned radiologist, he, he actually does it for the heat and the Buccaneers or whatever. A lot of pro teams. Uh, very smart guy, but he's a big basketball guy. And Tony Allen got drafted 20s by Boston. And people were killing him on 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 ESPN or whoever doing the, the draft back then. And can't do this, can't do this. And Mike, Mike and I were talking about, but he was the player of the year and maybe the best conference in America. Crazy athletic. Like that guy's figured it out. You don't dominate the Big 12 and not be able to play in the NBA. I'm sorry. I, I, that doesn't happen that way, especially as a wing. Different if you're like a Sheen to be, who I think also got just got drafted by by a bad franchise. Um, to be, I, I actually worked with him some later on. He's a very special talent, uh, different cat. But um, Tonkic was MVP of the Euro League, right? 
Like, of course he can really play. There's well, a whole lot of guys in the NBA that would struggle to play well in the early league. A ton of them. 100, yeah. 200 of them would just be okay in the early league. Not great. And he, he dominated that most, league. He was one of the most decorated uh, prospects to come into the league ever. Ever. Because not only, I mean, he dominated the Euro League and he played in the ACB. The, like, that's the, that's the second best second competition and third in, best the in the world. Second exactly. Best, yeah. Yeah, the NCAA just doesn't stack up. I mean, he's been playing grown men for three years. So, you know, it's almost it's it's kind of like the Ben Simmons thing last year where people talked about how that year of seasoning mattered. And I think it does. But I still think, you know, it's his first season. He's a rookie. Doncic got real seasoning where he had to earn minutes. And in Europe, they don't just get, oh, you're young. You're a rookie. Let's throw him out there. No, that does that doesn't happen. You have to earn those minutes. Um, you know, we've seen this where where young guys will go to Europe, uh, you know, a couple of guys instead of going to NCAA and they just can't play because that's just how it is in Europe. I mean, they, they just, they don't play young guys. They, they're trying to win games and young guys usually are bad. They're, they're not worried about your development because they expect that if you're good enough, you're going to leave. And, uh, that's just how it is. So, you know, I, I'm not, I, I tweeted out the other day that I'm not surprised about how any of the top five guys have played except for Bagley. I didn't think Bagley and he's not been great on defense when he's played, but he hasn't been lost like I expected. And part of that is he's high energy, and that and that helps quite a bit. Um, but all of them have been really good, and including Trey Young, who's who's not shooting well, but he does everything else really, really well. Like, I like he's that. really seeing the court. Yeah. I, I'm rooting for Zion to wind up in Atlanta because I oh, I think. God, how fun would that be? Because Zion's Amazing. got great court vision. He's an incredible athlete. You got John Collins. Where, where Even, is he from? Is he from Carolina? He's from South Carolina. So, I mean, he'd be oh. really close to home. Oh, There's God. so many reasons that we need to get Zion to Atlanta. So if, if Adam Silver's listening, let's <laughs> let's freeze that envelope. Let's 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 wait down those uh, those other ping pong balls. We got to make it happen because uh, Trey Young and Zion passing to each other even. Uh, not just Trey passing to Zion and John Collins, by the way, he's who's good. really, really good. I love Atlanta. Gonna, Atlanta say that good. just now. Hey, Atlanta's going to be good. Kevin Herter is good. Yeah, if they have Zion. Like, um, yeah, watch out. That's going to be that that team in a couple years. I, I think Travis Slank, he has a vision. Again, you have a good front office and you got a vision, and you're willing to, you know, hey, we're going to suck for a little while, but we're going to suck to get better, like with a purpose. Um, you know, they hired a guy who's, who's well known for his player development stuff as the head coach, you know, similar to what they did up in, in, uh, Brooklyn, you know, Kenny Atkinson, well known for how he's developed players, has good rapport with players. And look at that. They're turning them around, you know, even without their best player, Karis LeVert's been out. So, um, but yeah, man, Atlanta is going to be so much fun in general, but I am rooting so hard for them to get Zion. And you know, I, I I posed this question to my to my father-in-law over Christmas. Um, he's a big college basketball fan. If Zion were to shut it down and just say, you know what, uh, I, I just want to make sure that I'm healthy. You know, I'm going to go into the draft. I want to make sure I'm healthy. And I want to get myself in shape and, and start thinking about my my pro career. Would that change your opinion of Zion at all? Nope. Nope. No, but I will. I I can sit on both sides. So so in oh seven, when Noah Horford and Brewer came out, I didn't know any of them then. I knew some Gator people, but I didn't know any of them. Um, agents were telling me, and players were. I I had a player working out. I want to say it was in Boston, actually. I think it was in Boston, 
and Horford came in to meet with them and shoot with them on the side, on like a side basket. And he, uh, he asked what, what the other, you know, guys in the draft were doing and they were playing like three on three or whatever, you know, the typical pre-draft workout. And Horford's like, I want to, I want to play with those guys. I'm like, Oh no, you know, I mean, you're, you know, they didn't have to say you're a top five pick. He knew that. Right. We're just evaluating you and shooting with you, getting to know you a little bit. But he's like, no, I'm, I want to play with those guys. And Brewer, who they, all three were top 10 picks. No, I went number nine because he had a torn labrum his, his junior year. Otherwise, he probably should have gone, I thought, first or first or second. Um, all of them were the same. They did not want to just watch. Like they were highly competitive dudes. And, and I think ended up playing that way and, and still probably are. Um, but I don't hold it against a guy like a Zion to, to not want to do it. I, I totally get it. Um, that don't think, I know you're just saying hypothetically. That yeah, it's not yeah, like, it's hypothetical. They're thinking about, I, like in football, they're, to me, they're nuts to play uh, oh, yeah. in a bowl game. Crazy. I, that's Crazy. actually what, once, once they've solidified their status yeah. more or less, that sport is so brutal. Basketball is not quite the same. Sure. We tend not to have the same. But a torn but, ACL is a torn ACL. It, no doubt. I mean, no doubt. It's, if something happened to any of those likely top five picks, people would, would, would say, what if they look at, what if they look had? at John Tay Porter? John Tay Porter, uh, who, you know, I watched a lot of tape of because I thought he was going to come out last year. Um, I think he's going to be a very good pro. You want to talk about another guy that kind of reminds me of Tim Duncan as far as like, you know, just yeah. always making the right play, things like that. I don't mean like, like Jaron Jackson yeah. does. Yeah. Um, and then he gets hurt and now he's going to wind up missing this whole season. And I'm assuming he's going to come out, but you know, he won't get, he's not a lottery pick. Like he might've been last year. I tell you a guy that got hurt his last year in school. I, I, I don't know if he was a sophomore, maybe a sophomore. I met him actually in pre-draft camp. I uh, was super impressed with the tape I studied and meeting Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. I thought he was a first round pick that was going to go second round because of an injury. I don't, I don't remember where he went, but I thought he was better than what he was drafted, but he got hurt and people were scared of it. Meanwhile, you know, he's pretty good. Yeah. You know, that's a guy that you want to talk about a G league success story. Yeah. I mean, he went, so he went to university of Colorado. Yeah. He went that's to Colorado. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but he's had two torn ACLs, you know, oh, Harry, Harry Giles. Too? Yeah. Harry Giles is a guy who was considered the best talent yeah. in his class. Those knee injuries, man. I, it, it just, I just don't, I don't want to see guys take unnecessary risks. And, you know, uh, you get, when you talk to people that love college basketball, they always talk about, you know, Hey, what happened to the love of the game and all this stuff. My point is this, you go to college. The whole purpose of going to college is to get a good job. That's it. Right. And, I mean, we in every single walk of life, like you go to college because there's this this idea that it's going to help prepare you for for a good job. Well, guess what? Zion Williamson is going to have a pretty good job in like, uh, you know, six or seven months. If he could just stop right now and just start working on his his pro game and his development, I think he would be better off for it. And not to mention he would get paid without getting hurt first. And it, that stuff just, you know, the bowl game thing is what what brought up that conversation, because yeah. there's some guy who's going to be a top pick who's sitting out and, you know, everyone's got an opinion. Yeah. Um, uh, but I did turn I, my father in law around on this. I got to think in the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I, I would take it a step further. I, I, I want to get rid of the draft altogether and I want to get get rid of any rules um, because 
Apple doesn't have any rules. Microsoft doesn't have any rules. Uh, local restaurant doesn't have any rules. No one has any rules. Why do we have to really almost arbitrarily assign rules to the sport? If, well, if the a team wants bargaining. to sign, if the Wizards want to sign Zion right now, fucking sign him right now. Like, yeah. what do we, why should they care about what Duke's doing? Why would they I, ever care about that? I agree. So this is how it works in Europe. Um, and, and while I agree to a certain extent, so the, the CBA is why we have those rules. I mean, you know mm-hmm. this. Um, yeah. And they've done this. I, I honestly think that the owners work some of this stuff in there just to protect themselves. No question. That's why the one and done rule is in there. But the one and done rule is going away. Yeah. So we're going to be better. I had this idea. And let me know what you think about this, because this will be the first time you've ever heard it. But this okay. is my idea. I want to do away with the draft and I want to have rookie free agency. Okay. So instead of a draft, here's your free agent pool and it can be anyone anywhere. And the way that you set up, instead of a lottery, you have X amount of dollars slotted for rookie contracts and you get to negotiate with rookies. And if you were the worst team in the league, you get more money. And if you're the best team in the league, you get a minimum deal. And so then you actually have players get to go choose where they want to go and choose what's important to them. There will be plenty of players that say, you know what, um, this team, team X, you know, they got terrible culture, but I want to get paid. I'll take this money. And then there are going to be players that are like, you know what? Hey, I want to go play for the Warriors. And you might get Zion Williamson, go take a minimum contract, you know, sign a four year minimum contract, go play with the Warriors if that's what's important to them. But then you're actually, you're really rewarding success and you're going to make these bad teams have to stop being bad. Whereas right now with the lottery, I mean, you sort of reward, you know, failure and mediocrity. Now, I don't, I don't, I haven't thought about this long enough or in depth enough to make a, a, a plan that actually works. But I think that there is a way that you could have a little bit more free market involved in this sort of thing. And also you empower the players. And that's, I think, something that everyone should be in favor of. These are the guys that, that they are the product. They are the ones that, that put in the work. They are the ones that put their bodies on the line. So let's empower them a little bit more. But also, you know, there's other incentives involved. I, I think that, that that could be a fair way to do it. Of course, I'm sure a lot of people are going to tweet me and just say, oh, my God, that's the worst idea. Uh, you know, teams like Minnesota are just always going to be bad. And, I mean, you know, that's just not – I don't think that's accurate. But what do you think? No, I mean, I'm on your side. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I just, when you say market or free market, I, I want it to be really free. I want there to be a hard cap, period. And then it's whatever you want to do. It's your, it's your money. If you want to build, if you're, if, if you're, let's pick a team, Charlotte, who's not going to suddenly, suddenly now build on Kemba Walker probably. And you think Zion, who's just one state away from you, is the answer, and you want to pay him $100 million, go ahead. Your cap is 130 whatever the cap is. Yeah, yeah. That's your decision, and now you only got 30 to do everything else. And uh, and what's gonna what happens is the owners are the biggest problem at all because they just don't know what the hell they're looking at. They, right. don't, they certainly can't evaluate players. They can't evaluate the GMs. They get their ass kissed by everyone. A lot of the GMs are in the business because they're really good ass kissers. They're not really smart at what they do. They just aren't. I deal with them all the time. I have dealt with them all the time. And uh, and the ones that are really good are really, really good. And I'm not, I'm not always friendly with them, but I recognize their talent. They're good. Uh, we would we would get a, a better weeding out system for these garbage 
GMs and these garbage coaches. Uh, the agents have so much power. I think they lose some of it uh, because their guys would just not be w- worthwhile. And then we, we'd find out, listen, I'd, I'd love to get some, I'd like to have almost like a 60 team league, 30 in the NBA and then 30 G league, but eight in the G league are really NBA level and there's relegation. Oh my God. Relegation I, would, Americans yeah. wouldn't know how to deal with it unless they, no, follow, they wouldn't. Uh, and soccer, I wouldn't want to be yeah. like, like, like the team I'm involved with in, in the soccer like, I don't think we're ever going to make it back to the Premier League, and I think we probably wasted a lot of money, and that's bad. So so maybe that's colorizing my view now. But So if you had, let's say, the bottom eight drops the G League for a year, uh, and but but you could somehow keep their payroll. That's the whole key. Right. It's still all share the revenue. Yeah. Uh, because when you lose the revenue, like my team did, you lose all your players because you can't right. afford them anymore. So then you have eight teams playing up, and, it's a, and that's a new thing. And so all of a sudden you get – New cities like Seattle, Kansas City, pick pick eight cities. Sure. And or or maybe it's four teams instead of eight. I'm just making up the numbers. Uh, so there's a so there's a penalty. And if you're the owner and your team gets relegated, fire your fucking manager, fire your fucking coach, or both of them. Right. right. You know, there's there's clearly it's not working. Uh, I think that'd be really fun. But but on the draft part, to me, I uh, I understand people saying, well, the small market teams. They wouldn't be able to get these same guys. I just don't agree. I think that if you had the right San Antonio managed to do great. Right. They found themselves an elite group of coaches and management and boom. And they, they didn't just get guys to go there in the draft. They kept them there. Okay. Through their whole careers, basically. Yeah. Uh, Tony Parker left obviously for a you know, New York minute right now. It's about right. it. Um, I think that, uh, that you would have, you, you would be forced you were saying earlier about the Lakers. The reality is the Lakers have been so intellectually lazy because they can be. They're the Lakers. Yep. They They're can great, be intellectually lazy. Great scouting department, though. Fantastic Yeah, yeah scouting. maybe so. I don't know. I, yeah. I haven't looked at it like that. Maybe they have. Maybe but, I know they've done a couple of things that no one would ever pay attention to that I did that I was impressed with, like at the very low levels of guys they brought in, whatever. Um but uh, if you're in Minnesota, if you're Utah, if you're Memphis, if you're the, the Spurs, I mean, I don't know. It's Portland. Portland's small market. Yeah. Uh, you, you, the, the, uh, as someone who deals with players, man, they're not all looking to be in a big city. No. They, they want to get paid. Look at Paul the, George. Yeah, right, right. Culture. OKC. You, Sam Presti has and built a culture. Opportunity. Absolutely. You get paid when you play well. And so just being in New York or Boston or Miami or Chicago isn't enough. Right. It isn't you enough. Know. So let these guys have some freedom. But but unlike unlike Europe, uh, Dave, I don't want them to just be able to say, well, I'm not going here anymore. Right. Uh, I don't want to play anymore. That's all the agent's power in, in European soccer. Is yeah. Because if you don't acquiesce to those agents' wishes when a player wants to tear up his contract and leave because he had a great year or thinks your team's going to be bad – and you say, well, screw you. We have a three-year deal. There's three years left in the deal. The agent says, well, you'll never sign one of my players again. So now you have to do it. So I don't want the agents to be in charge by any By the way, that that's starting to, to you know, that's happening in the NBA as well. Yeah. But yeah. but for a league that 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 at least pays lip service to the idea that, that they want to solve the tanking issue, that's relegation, yeah. relegation would do it. I mean, yeah. again, I, I realize that as an extremely radical idea, and it'll never happen, but that— that's interesting. I, I like the idea. Um, and I, I also love the 
no max salary for players. But what winds up happening there is you squeeze out the middle class of players. And so that's why you just won't get it. I mean, in the CBA, there's more guys in the middle than there is at the top and the bottom. And so, you know, yeah, the union votes that way. Um, Right. But look at look at uh, look at Denver as an example of a team that doesn't have it, although Jokic is amazing. Um, the Pacers, right, there's there's a first and third seed, right, where they, they've got a you know, lottery pick and whatever, but they don't have the superstar. Oladipo's the best player in the Pacers, and um, they found a way to do it with, and I'm surprised in the Pacers' uh, point, the Pacers are good, and they won. They are. Three. They're good. They and they were good last year. Hey, Nate McMillan has has shown that you can improve as a coach. I I use him as the example every time, Dave. Yep, he's you sucked. can you can he's improve as a coach so yeah. much, and and not to, not only improve. I think Nate McMillan, Dwayne Casey, the, yep. these guys, they're not getting enough credit. Not just improving, but realizing where they were inadequate, and and actually bringing in people that would help help them out instead of having an ego about it but also learning from their mistakes. I mean, Dwayne Casey, look at how his offense evolved in Toronto. And, yeah. and then he right. carried those lessons to Detroit right. and has unlocked Blake Griffin in a way. He's so that, good that we haven't seen. Right. He's so good. Nate McMillan has his team playing with pace. Now they, I, I still think they need to shoot more threes, but what they're doing right now works. And, you know, so, all right, before we've, we've gone on a tangent, I, I do want to hit a couple of things that I know you definitely want to talk about. Um, the Wolves were really, really good right after the Jimmy Butler trade. They yeah. have not been as good. Um, they're four and eight in their last 12. Their their defense is uh, current in the last 12 is 25th. Okay. Now, Carl Anthony Towns has actually been really great. Really and some of the best defense that he's played in his career, uh, Zach Harper has warned me numerous times that he always has like a month where he looks great defensively and then it goes away. Um, what is up with Andrew Wiggins? And and why is a guy with those sorts of tools not able to be consistent? I mean, he's he's never had 10 assists in a game in his career. That seems a little a I little tweeted crazy. last night, he had two rebounds. Guys in 6'8" athletic jumping machine there are going to be games we only have two rebounds you can't just look at a boss score and say well he doesn't rebound right yeah and i but i watched some of the game because sometimes nothing comes your way but i'm sorry that guy probably should never have just two he's averaging three on the season yeah or four excuse me yeah it's it's so here's what i think Uh, i'm gonna use a different example than what you think i was talking to uh, a tv guy from a different market today this morning He's very upset with his team. And uh, we were talking about a particular great player for their team who I think is just kind of mailing it in. And at one point he was playing great and now he's not playing so great. And this guy said, you know, he just has lost his spirit. And we got to talking about just how the coach sucks and the guy knows it's just nothing's going to happen here because this coach sucks and maybe the franchise sucks. I think Wiggins and I'm not I'm not saying Wiggins thinks Tip sucks. I don't know. But I, I think that there is a lack of spirit on the team. And I think Wiggins is not playing with he's not being challenged or successfully challenged to play to his potential in terms of energy for that athleticism. And that shows up in things like rebounds and steals and whatever. And uh, as I said all along, he and Towns should be able to be 
an incredible duo of what could end up being an, an elite team. They, they have that potential, and it hasn't happened. Uh, owner sucks. Management, I don't know. Coach, I used to think was amazing. It ain't working out. Yeah. Like that, there's a reason why you change so much. In the Premier League and soccer, as we've talked about, man, they fire fast. Right. You get sacked fast because I, you don't want to get relegated, and there's a lot of money at stake. I'm going to read off some stats. Huh? I'm going to yeah, read off yeah, some yeah. stats for you. Yeah. All right. Wiggins' rookie year, he averaged 16.9 a game. Two steals, 4.6 rebounds, uh, and 2.1 assists. This year, five. this is year five, 17 points a game, two steals, four rebounds. Uh, excuse me, one steal, uh, two assists, four rebounds. Literally the exact same stat line. There's been no growth at all. And this was a guy, I mean, again, physical tools. He has every single one of them. He's missed one game in his career. So it's not like you could say injuries have, have set him back or anything like that. Um, I don't Listen, know. He deserves blame. Yes. But I, I, as, as someone who's big on culture and coaching, I think the blame also has to lie with the franchise. If you, if you're running an accounting firm and you hire a guy uh, that you think has got a real chance to be brilliant and you get them from uh, Harvard or Georgia Tech, it doesn't matter. Uh, and you don't develop him into being a star that you think he is, it's on you as much as it's on him or her. And uh, that's that's the name of the game. The the all these software companies are not just mail, they're not just telling their engineers just to have fun. There's a reason why some of them like Google, you know, have all the food right there. They don't want you to leave. They right. want you to live and code, code, code. I uh, something's broken in that place and has been for a while in Minnesota and uh, two marvelous talents are, are not reaching their potential because of it. Yeah. Um, uh, another team that's kind of struggling here lately, the Memphis Grizzlies who I have worked into every single trade I could possibly come up with. Um, they, they need some wing depth. They need a backup point guard. I, I think that they, probably hired the wrong coach. And then last night a story came out that, um, you know, I, I want to get your, your comment on this. Uh, I know that you are, are close yeah. with Omri, yeah. uh, Garrett temple and Omri Caspi apparently got into an altercation. I don't know if it's a fight or whatever. And, and I, I should say, number one, these sorts of things happen all the time in locker rooms. Uh, it, it's nothing out of the ordinary. I don't think it was a Miritich Bobby Portis situation. Um, but these heated sort of conversations happen all the time. One of the reasons why I don't think you should be trying to have any sort of uh, team meeting following a game, in particular a loss. You know, guys are going to be emotional. These guys are all very proud, you know, and and competitive. Right. Um, but what is what is going on with Memphis? I mean, they're they're three and nine in their last twelve. They're atrocious right now. I think, uh, well, first of all, I, I uh, Omri called me a couple of times right before we went on there, and I, I wasn't able to take the call. Um, I, he loves Garrett Temple. Uh, they clearly had a disagreement um, in the locker room. I don't think anyone was in the hospital or anything like that. But, I mean, he, he like, when I was with him, I think when they signed Temple, and Omri was so excited, like, that's my favorite guy from Sacramento, such a thoughtful person. They got mad at each other, you know, the truth is what I do know, I wouldn't share anyway. Sure. But I do know that he loves them and still loves them. Uh, the bigger picture is the more important one, which is 
And they're clueless. It's a, I've said this so many times, a clueless fucking franchise. It just is. It's a clueless franchise uh, for so many different reasons. And then they didn't even interview. They thought JB was the, I'm nothing, uh, JB Bickerstaff, everyone tells me he's the greatest guy ever. Well, who gives a fuck? Like, what does that matter? What, that's why the interviews are so stupid to begin with. Have, did you not watch him coach when he was in Houston? I mean, why would you think he was this, some kind of guy that could run your team with Mike and Mark or whatever? Uh, it's the nice it's, guy is great as an assistant, you know, have, it, yeah. I, Sam Mitchell, I thought was a great assistant, right? He was one of the three worst head coaches I've ever seen in my life, but yeah. I thought it was a great assistant from Minnesota years ago. And there are um, plenty of guys that are, that are great assistants. Like I actually think, think there, there's an argument to be made that Tom Thibodeau is a better assistant than a head coach. Well, that, based on what we're seeing now, he was not a knock. Chicago. I, like, uh, you know, there are limitations. Like, you know, there, there's a lot more going on. I'm as a head ownership, coach. Dave. Ownership, management. Uh, I don't even know who's running the Grizzlies anymore. I, I just don't. You've got uh, Chandler Parsons who's healthy and could actually help them. He ain't healthy. That's bullshit. He's too. not. Hell, oh. No, he can't move. I watched okay. him play. He didn't get hurt in a game. Uh, he couldn't guard. He couldn't guard you or me. He couldn't. Well, maybe he could guard us. He can't guard anyone else. Right. Um, you don't and, think he could he could stand in the corner and shoot threes nope. for eight minutes a game? Can't defend anybody, like literally nobody. And he wasn't hurt. I nothing happened in those games. He, it's always the same thing. He's healthy for a couple of days, uh, quote unquote healthy, and then he's got to sit for two weeks or a month or whatever. Um, and, and quite frankly, JB probably would play him just because he doesn't know any better. But he's not offering anything to help that team win. Um, it's 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 just a bad franchise. And this is what happens to bad franchises. This is what happens to bad franchises. They just do stupid fucking things all the time. And regular players who normally are great, Omri's been in the league 10 years, never had a problem. Garrett Temple's been in the league maybe, I think, longer, never had a problem. Like, they're great guys. But they're pissed off that they're losing, and they shouldn't be losing. They, really, they yeah. have the talent with Mike and Mark, who look good. Mike, Mike played badly last night. Kyle Anderson, the only thing JB's done well is he, he gave Kyle so much royal jelly. It's worked. Kyle's playing really well and they can't win because they were winning in spite of him, in spite yeah. of him. But I looked at I looked at some lineups. I, it, I don't want to waste time into the details of it, but sure. uh, they have a lineup with four starters and a good sub who's played. But they've only played 108 minutes together and they're like plus 11.3, but only 100 possessions. Like, why? What are you doing? What? Why, why aren't you got four main starters? Jaron Jackson being the fifth guy that that is still just a rookie. I love him, but he's still just a rookie. So, and he believe when he's in the starter group, he's good. JB's rotations suck. There's just, this is, so in a big picture scenario, the smart teams are smart for a reason. They make good decisions and, and, and they avoid the kind of stuff that teams like Memphis and Minnesota keep stumbling, seem stumbling over. That's just what happens. Yeah, and, and I think that they're going to wind up probably losing Marcus All this summer. Um, and then that franchise is just going to, they're going to have to move Conley. And I mean, it's over. They should do that now. They should go around Jackson. They should. Kid. Yep. Go get, go get future picks and young players. Go get a, go get a, I wonder um, if Dallas would, ball. I wonder if Dallas, I mean, you know, there's this rumor that, that they want to move Dennis Smith, which I think is a huge mistake. Um, I, I'm actually yeah, really high on him. him, but man, if I was Memphis, I'd be, I'd say, I, Hey, how about Conley for, for exactly Dennis Smith, right. Wes Matthews, go, go whatever. Get a good young player that hasn't yep. figured it out yet. D'Angelo Russell's 22. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to trade him, but go right. go get one of those guys and let them grow with Jackson, who's yep. phenomenal. 
and and also played Jackson at center, which is what he is. He well, he, yeah, he can do both, but I like him at center. And uh, Javon Carter is a beast of a defender. Yeah, he's so playing him some. Lose your game, well, take yeah. it, take it up. Do they have their pick next year? They do. So I think. wait, hold on, I got to look at that. Yeah, uh, I remember yeah. if they lost a pick for next year? Um, yeah. Get get a high pick to go with Jackson. And get some other young players who just need a different place to play, and uh, and then I because think that, it, you know they won't be great because they're they run poorly, but they'll they'll be fine. Actually, so their pick is uh, is protected one through eight. So okay. if they're if they're the ninth pick, Boston gets it. That's which right I knew now there was, it was something. Yeah, yeah. So, so they really would have to lean into a tank too. By the way, and and you know what, I was looking at the playoffs, you know, standings today. And they're on the outside looking in, and the teams ahead of them right now, they've got the Kings, the Lakers, the Spurs, and the and the Clippers. And I think that – and then Utah's just behind them. I think Utah probably gets to the playoffs. I think the Clippers might drop out. But I don't think the Grizzlies are going to make it. I just don't think that they're they're going to, A, have the health, and B, you know, they're going to have to make moves to make that happen, and and then, you know, that's going to make them worse. See, yeah, the move would be the Long coach. Term. I think the I think the roster could make the playoffs, but um, but even then, you, you don't know what Gasol is going to do. Well, and that's uh, like the Wizards, though. You know, this is a team that actually yeah. is in worse shape. Uh, yeah, at least on a roster construction standpoint, than the Wizards. You don't have Bradley Beal. You know, you don't have John Wall, who is a good player, uh, in particular when he's trying hard and he's in shape. Yeah. You know, they don't have Otto Porter. <laughs> They've right. got Conley and Gasol, and and those guys are old and making a lot of money. So you know they they, they probably have even more incentive to tank. I got to stop putting them in in the trade machine though, because yeah. I just I don't know, man. I I love Conley and Gasol so much, and and I love when they're in the playoffs. And I'd love to see like the Grizzlies is an eight seed against the Warriors. They may get swept, but it'll be yeah. a fun sweep. It could be fun. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Or right now, maybe playing Denver anyway. You know, they could be Denver. <laughs> uh yeah. Potentially. Uh, I mean, so potentially, I, right. It has to be a different coach anyway. I want to I want to check in with you on the Boston Celtics. Um, they, you know, again, going back to December 10th, that's that's my date for today. Uh, it's like, you know, three and a half weeks, something like that. Uh, they have the fifth best offense, but they are only seven and five. Um, they've been dealing with some injury issues. Horford was out. Aaron Baines has been out. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie missed the, the last game, um, where we actually got good Gordon Hayward, which, uh, I think that's something to monitor. Uh, last night was his best game as a Celtic, right? Absolutely. Yeah. He looked great. Uh, that's, that's kind of a situation to look at, but, uh, to me, their most important player this year, aside from Kyrie Irving and, and Kyrie Irving is just, you know, so special offensively that he's kept that offense afloat at times. Marcus Morris, is he an all-star? Like, I mean, he's just been amazing this season well tell Contract. me your thoughts and i'll tell you mine because I, right. I had him for the draft for a while so tell me your thoughts well i, I mean i think that marcus morris moving him into the starting lineup has made the that offense more dynamic um he's a guy that just i mean he defends hard he hits threes which they need you know they need shot making they just don't have they're not a good shooting team despite what it looks like on paper, you know, like when you look at each guy individually, right. they just don't shoot the ball well. Um, and he can get you a bucket, you know, in, in isolation if, if you need it. And I just think that what he's been able to provide for a team that's not getting, that's not hitting open shots and not getting to the basket, I think he's been very important. Well, you talk about defense. I mean, they got him as a LeBron guarder, right? right. LeBron defender, because the metrics were that he defended him about as well as anyone, I think. 
Uh, so when I had Ina's brother in the, in the draft process, uh, I thought Marcus was significantly the superior player in terms of upside. Um, and it looked like I was wrong for a while. Marquise was doing better, I think, in Phoenix. Um, but I also, in fact, I never tell this to Masai Ujiri, uh, like I think this guy can score a 20 game in this league. I, I would, I'm, I've not been right. He's not ever done that. But I thought that's what his upside could be at the, at the highest level. Um, Marcus, I mean, I know his story pretty well. He was a backup point guard for uh, like a, 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 one of the best teams in the country uh, out of Philly, I want to say, his senior year. He was, you know, he was their wing scorer, but he could play the backup one. That told that told me a lot of how versatile he was. Um, and I've said this many times, Dave. The the advantage that big players have when they start small and learn the guard position is they learn to defend in space. And so it's just not uncomfortable for them to slide three, four, five, seven, one direction, two the other, back one over. Whereas big guys tend to do it in more staccato. One, two, three, stop, pass whatever, maybe just one, two. They're not defending in space, no, the same, especially a, a, a decade ago when he was in high school. Now you've got you know, more big guys playing guards. It means more big guys are defending guards, especially with switches and everything. So, but I knew that he was just more agile. I thought he could play a lot of positions. And they, the, Morris, the Morris twins are tough guys, like really tough guys. And uh, soft-spoken, but not afraid to speak up when when needed. Uh I felt Marcus needed to be, uh, he, I, I tell the story about Marcus, I haven't told it probably seven, eight years, but I remember I was driving them somewhere, Marquise was in the front seat always. I thought Marcus was the better player and assumed he was the older brother. I was wrong. He's the younger <laughs> brother and he acts that way. And it was really strange to me because I, I don't pay attention to college sports. On my court, Marcus was the better player in terms of projection, I thought, and uh, could just do more. And uh, Marquise was the boss. And Marcus was in the backseat one day and he was in a real soft-spoken voice. He said, Coach Thorpe, he said, do you think there'd be a way where my brother and I get drafted and play for the same team? And he had such a hopeful sound in his voice. It was so sweet. Like I was so taken with that. Uh, I had twins then, I still do. I get that. Yeah. And my, my, my son is 25 minutes older than my daughter. He doesn't really act like her big brother as much as he just acts like a boy. Right. But, but he is, he, he came first. There is a pecking order there. And I think that Marcus isn't always as assertive as he probably could be in part because of what I'm describing. And he's found his home. I don't know if he'll be an all-star or not. I don't pay attention to any of that, but I hope that he is. I've I've been a huge fan. He'll, you know, if I bet someone a million dollars, he'll average 20 at least one year. I've done that bet twice. I I didn't, but if I did, (laughs) I'd be one for two. You know what? the first one I would have got. The second one I probably wouldn't have got. But, but I wasn't wrong about his talent. Like he's a, you're not he's far one off. of the better players on a really good team. Yeah, you're not far off. So his per thirty six this season, twenty points really? and Sweet. eight rebounds. I didn't know that. That's his per thirty six. And, and you know, like the way that they run things up there, he he's just not going to play that many minutes. Twenty seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so fan. And I think he's, he's he's good. He's really good. He's really good. And he and actually, I mean, I think starting him. Has has made a huge difference for that team. I, I think he should be the starting four for them going forward. And you know, when they get to the playoffs, his defensive versatility is going to be important. Super. You know, yeah. he's going to be and, a guy. And that, listen, and his offense. I mean, he can play two, three, and four. Oh yeah, like he can play the two easily. Like he, you can bring him off screens. He can handle the ball. Can he he's, guard he's, Kawhi? Can he guard Giannis? Well, 
So the, well, the, I know you don't mean it that it. way. What you mean yeah, is yeah. can you do a more effective job? Right. The answer is yeah. Like, yeah. like if you and I, as someone who's coached great players, we do a pecking order in the summertime. We'll go out to dinner or have lunch. Normally it's lunch. Who who gives you the biggest fit? Like for many years, my better scores would talk about um, how hard it is to score on Nigadala. Doesn't mean they didn't sometimes scorch them. Sure. But it was rare when they did. And if they did, they, they patted him on the butt and scratched his back. Like, they didn't want to piss him off. Nigadala <laughs> is a hell of a defender in his prime. Um, Marcus would, would be more effective than most against those guys. And we'll likely see that, uh, which is why he'll be on the floor much. Like, he's he's much better than than Brown and uh, Tatum right now on that end. Right. And, well, and Brown, you know, they, they've got some serious, you know, things to, to sort out before the playoffs. I, I you know, we talked about this a little bit two weeks ago on the last show that they may have a consolidation trade to make. Yeah. Of course, holding out for Anthony Davis is is probably going to stop them from doing that. I imagine, you know, they're going to go into the playoffs with too many guys. Um, the Hayward stuff is really interesting to me. And, and, you know, we've basically been talking about this all season that once he's in shape, I still think that splitting and staggering he and Kyrie because there's so much overlap there. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I want the ball in Kyrie's hands when he's on the court, you know, he's just so electric and can draw the defense and can make things easier for everyone else. And, and with Hayward, I kind of want the same thing. Cause I, I don't think that, uh, you're, you're playing to his strengths when you just have him spotting up in the corner. When, when, uh, right. I mean, I hear what you're saying. When, when I think of them, Dave, I, I just think that they're the opposite of Minnesota and Memphis and these, some of these other franchises, they'll figure it out. Uh, I, I still believe in a consolidation trade. I always have, uh, I was I think kind of the first one to say it nationally, but they need to do it last year, uh, during the playoffs when they couldn't even trade them anyway. Uh, but I just, I trust Danny Ainge and trust Brad to, to figure it out as, I mean, look at it, look at it from a, from an odd standpoint. What you, what you said is right about Anthony Davis. What the Celtics are going to do is they're going to, they know this year they might figure it out and be really good and win the East. And if they keep everyone, then may, and maybe it'll go badly and they won't, but either way they have the assets to try to go get Davis that way, as opposed to going more all in for this year. And and then losing a chance at Davis. So they're just looking at it. We got we got two bullets to fire instead of just one. Right. So I, I understand. I, I probably is wrong to say they should consolidate. They probably should just try to keep these guys happy as they can. And wait. And, and wait to see if they can get Davis, um, which the Pelicans should do. Uh, but I I think they'll end up. I just think we'll see them play their best basketball in the spring. Like, yeah. I, still I mean, think I, they're coming. I hope uh, I, I think the East is so compelling with at the top four and even five. If you if you think about the Pacers, um, you know, I, I think the Raptors and the Bucks are clearly head and shoulders above the Sixers and Celtics right now. Yeah. And I, I've been putting the, the Sixers above the Celtics just because I think Jimmy Butler gives them that next level. Embiid, you know, being playing the way he is this season. Yeah. I mean, he had 42 and 18 and against Phoenix. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't get too excited, but, um, but all of this is moot for next season. If Boston gets Anthony Davis, because yeah, he's so good, uh, he hit 34 and 26 last night and they lost, you know, um, I just think that that's such a difference maker that, you know, that's, that's, that's like Toronto getting Kawhi Leonard. It, it moves you into a different conversation. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's that's a good place to wrap up. We're starting to talk about the East too much. Uh, <laughs> um, you got any uh, any kind of closing thoughts or? 
Oh yeah, I forgot okay. to do that. Oh yeah. Um, I just as a as a coach, you're trying to motivate and inspire people, whatever. Uh, I don't know why you have to wait till new the new year to come up with the new ideas people do uh, for yourself, whatever. But I, I'm in, I'm certainly gonna win. I'm not gonna run any Mr. Universe pageants. I'm not some kind of stud physical specimen. But I've I've lost some weight in my life and been able to keep it off now for a decade. Um, and uh, every year I try to set new fitness goals. Last year my goal was to walk 100 miles a month all 12 months, and I did it. I got to 1,200 and change. But it wasn't just to do 1,200. It was to be consistent, hundred, and I, and I was able to do that. And then I and I changed it up this year, and I made some other things. But I posted it on Facebook. I don't remember if I posted it on I, Instagram or Facebook. I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. And it's, maybe I did and copied it on Facebook. Um, and I do that because it it's it forces me not to be a hypocrite. Yeah. So like for example, so so here's exactly what happened last night. It's 11:30 at night. I'm watching games, and one of my goals is on certain days I'm doing two sets of basically 45 push-ups, which is all I can do at once. In fact, I can't always do 45 straight. Sometimes I can get to 40 and I'll rest for 20 seconds and do five. And then a hundred second plank. And I want to do two, two of those a day, I think times three sets a week. And I did them yesterday morning and just got busy yesterday. And it just occurred to me, let me throw not, I haven't, cause I haven't put it on my wall or anything. I will, it's just on my phone right now. And I thought, well, God, I, you know, I can't, I, I can't be a hypocrite or a liar. This is what I posted. I have to be, and I did the same thing during walking. There was some time last year. I mean, no one's going to spank me if I only did 99 miles in December. Right? Right. My wife doesn't care. I mean, she doesn't want to do two, but I, but if that's just a personal thing. And I've had other people now tell me they've done the same thing. They're always posted online, but they tell their the wife, their kids, their brothers, their parents, whatever. And if it works for you, it's something you shouldn't be afraid to try to do. Uh, and, my dad is dealing with some heart issues. He's okay, but uh, he's had some, and I've, his whole generation, they're in their 70s. Health is something to treasure greatly, probably the most of anything. And your heart likes it better when you're less weight, in shape more, better condition. So it's, it's a great time to get yourself in better shape one day at a time, one hour at a time. And don't be afraid to set your goals, write them down. I'm making my daughter write hers down before she goes back to school next week. My son has already does it. And, uh, and tell people you care about because they'll hold you accountable without even saying a word because you don't want to see them and not be up to the standards you promised you would be. Yeah. I, um, I'm actually going to start, I want to do a trail race. I'm not a runner. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Jade is seeing this video. I, I made a video a while back cause I started running. I was like, you know what? There's no reason why I can't be a good runner at all. Every goal I've made like fitness wise has all been in my, in my late 30. Well, I guess 37 is kind of late thirties now has been about getting leaner. Whereas in my twenties, it was all like, how can I get bigger? You know, I just want to get as big as I can yeah. carry around as much weight. And now it's like, no, I mean, I want to, I want to be like, uh, really, really, really lean and me too, as I'm moving into my forties. And so, you know, running is a great way to do that. Um, and also I've got a, a big dog that wants to run right yeah. now. So, uh, I made this video and, and I actually was running every day for a month and I had an injury. So I had to stop. And now I'm, I'm feeling good. So I want to start trail running. Cause I think that'll help avoid the injuries a little bit. So it's funny. I, this was not like a, a new year's resolution thing. Um, but it is something that I, that I'm going to start. Uh, I put on eight pounds over Christmas. Wow. Which is just absolute. I, first That's of all, I'm impressed with myself. That's a lot. Uh, I, I don't normally eat things like cookies and pot. I went overboard. 
I mean, it was just <laughs> absolutely nuts. I might have eaten 25 cookies in 10 days. I and mean, it was just crazy. I, I I won't eat 25 cookies this year. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's funny that the, how how much like our, our goals in life switch. And I, you know, I don't care about the aesthetic, man. I just I, I want I don't want my knees to hurt. I don't want my back to hurt. And all these other things that I know, like, you know, most guys in their 50s, you know, yeah. present company excluded, yeah. have to deal with. Right. Like I'm thinking that far out. You have um, to. I'm yeah. thinking my, my dad's 78. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about my 80 something year old uncles and one just died at, at 82. Um, 81. I ordered my standing desk this morning. I so. had that. It, it didn't work out great, but I set an exercise ball. But I, I walk a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I walk a fair amount, but uh, you know, you can always walk more, uh, San Antonio, I mean in the office. I can't just 15 minutes <laughs> other than this podcast yeah. and the other shows that I do 15 minutes, but all I can do, I get up, move around, come back just so, um, yeah. And being lean is, I mean, with some exceptions, the best thing you could do is be as lean yeah. as possible. Absolutely. Probably all right. right so, back. uh, you know, 2019 new, new year, new us, yes. uh, same podcast. Thanks coach. Uh, for Coach Thorpe, for Jade Hoy, I am Dave DeFore. Uh, thank you, guys. We're glad to be back. And, uh, do, hey, don't forget to go to the Back to Back Podcast Twitter account. We still got tickets for sale for Boston, March 2nd at the Middle East. Uh, Jade's probably going to have me redo this because this was an afterthought. And uh, I know Jade likes for these reads. This isn't even really a read to sound a little bit better. Um, but don't forget to go get tickets so you can come hang out with us in Boston. The weather's going to be amazing, I'm sure, beginning of March in Boston. Uh, all you Sloan nerds that are going to be up there hanging out with me that weekend, we'll just walk over to the Middle East and have the back-to-back -back live show. Coach, I'll talk to you next week. Got it. Take care, Dave. Bye, Jade. All right. All right.